welcome back to another Change the Year interview. My name is Kendra Seymour, and I'm joined today by Krista Cleveland, who is here to share her story, her journey um, through a moldy and water damaged building. And Krista, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Kendra. It's an honor to be here. You know, I think as someone who has gone through this myself and my own journey, um, there's something so powerful, I think, about sharing what happened to you because there's somebody out there who is probably going through something similar. And not only does it help them feel less alone, I know it can um, maybe help them think through things a little differently. I know personally for me, one of the reasons why I'm so vocal is my goal is to help people make fewer mistakes than than we made and hopefully save themselves time, money, and health. So I really appreciate you you sharing your story today. And I guess I just want to open it up with, so start at the beginning, what happened um, that got you down this path? Yeah, so we're going to kind of rewind to 2010. Um, I was a school teacher in Raleigh, North Carolina, and my oldest son, Nick, was born. And I grew up in Northeast Ohio. So, of course, kids come into the picture and you miss your family. And my husband had landed the perfect job back in my hometown. And I was like, yes, now I can move home and be closer to all my nieces and nephews and mom and dad. And um, so we were just absolutely ecstatic to get back to Northeast Ohio. We move into this beautiful five-bedroom home in a great neighborhood, and that's where the misery began. Um, Nick was 17 months old at the time. He began waking up all night just screaming his head off, and I could not do anything to calm him down. So there was this really helpless feeling of being a mom who was not able to help her child. And so I did what any mom would do. I took him to the pediatrician and I said, hey, look, there's something wrong with my kid. Can you help me? And they would look at him and I'll never forget them saying to me one day, he looks like a healthy one-year-old to me. And I was like, oh, I'm like, like, you're not the one up all night with this kid screaming. And I'd have to put him in the car and drive around to calm him down. And, you know, this whole cycle would just go on and on and on. As he began to grow and progress, the teacher in me told me, you know, something's just not right. He, he wasn't talking. He wasn't doing things that a child should do. And, uh, you know, at one point, by around probably three years old, he had every symptom of autism. And he was eventually diagnosed with sensory processing disorder and pandas. And, of course, I knew nothing about mold at the time. So I'm researching, trying to dig into this because I'm a real fix-it type person. And... I want to get to the root of stuff and just fix things for good. So I'm not getting answers. I'm taking foods out of his diet. You know, maybe this is a food allergy or something like that. Um, he starts to improve a little. Um, then an another child comes into the picture. And um, that was 2013 when my son Drew was born. And Drew never slept. So he would wake up and he had completely different symptoms from Nick. Um, he was the congested kid. You know, he could not sleep because he couldn't breathe. And so fast forward, he's growing every food allergy in the book. You know, from the time he was little, he's choking on food. He's gagging. He's puking. He's not growing. And so both boys had a very different set of symptoms. Now, after Drew was born was when I just completely crashed. Um, so I was literally bed bound. And uh, every time I would go to the doctor, they would just diagnose me with something else. I ended up with diagnoses of chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, POTS, rheumatoid arthritis, 
pernicious anemia, lupus, you know, Lyme disease, thyroid and adrenal issues, mast cell activation disorder, you know, it just, the list went on and on and on. And I thought, but why? And I kept asking and I never got answers. So that's what forced me to figure things out on my own. We lived there for three and a half years before we found an attic full of toxic mold. I I am nodding along here, Carissa, because there's so much of your story and mine that overlap down to the varying symptoms in children and doctors saying, well, they look healthy. And then you crashing. I imagine at some point you were probably told, well, you're a mom of young kids. Did you hear that one? Oh, I heard that all the time. And I even told myself that, well, I'm just tired because I'm a mom. You know, I can't lose weight because I just had a baby. You know, there were all these, uh, I guess, disguises, you know. Yeah, it's it's easy to assign the symptoms to something else. And so, so tell us about the attic and how you discovered that and where you went from there. Yeah, so um, actually in Nick's bedroom, his closet had the opening to the attic and I would be putting clothes away and it was like, man, there's this horrible smell coming from the attic. And I told my husband, hey, can you go up there and check that? Because it smells like a dead squirrel. I mean, literally, it was disgusting. And, you know, you get busy doing things and like he never went up to check it. And eventually he did. And um, he's like, oh, my goodness, you know, there's all this mold up here. And what happened was the bathroom exhaust fans um, were vented to the attic and the builder did not put in enough soffits. So there was absolutely no air ventilation. And so, you know, it was a breeding ground for toxic mold. Now, the problem lies in the fact that when I found this, I called who I thought was an expert. And I know this is going to overlap with your story as well. Um, You know, the expert comes in and he says, oh, yeah, you've got some mold in your attic, but I can tell to look at this. It's just alternaria. It's not a toxic mold. It will cause absolutely no health issues except allergy symptoms. So it's nothing to worry about, but we'll come in. We can remediate it and get it out of here. And I said, okay. So the light bulb never went off. By this time, my kids are five years old and two and a half. I've been suffering for three and a half years. You know, at first it was a gradual kind of symptom stuff. And then I just went boom. Um, And so the light bulb's not going off for me. I trusted him because he's a mold remediator and this is his job. And I thought he had the knowledge that I expected him to. So I just want to, for anyone listening to set the record straight here, you cannot definitively look at mold and identify the species. So if somebody says something like, I can tell by looking at it that it's not toxic, that it's not dangerous, unless they have microscopes for eyes, they are full of it. I don't mean to be crass about that, but it's true. And and another point is sometimes people will say, well, it's not black, so it's not the bad kind of mold. So stachybotrys, if you've heard in the media, is sometimes referred to as black mold. And it's important to mention here that stachybotrys can actually be other other colors. It's not just black, it can be dark green. And there are other molds that aren't stachybotrys that can be black. So color is not a definitive way to identify a mold species. You need to test it and have it sent and analyzed by a lab. Just wanted to put that out there because I was told the same thing. I can tell by looking at it, it's not a dangerous kind. Oh my goodness. Okay. So you did what I did myself. You trusted him, what many other people. So what happened next? 
So next, um, he also, by the way, told me that he could not test the mold and remediate it, that it was a conflict of interest. So, you know, I can tell by looking at it, it's just this won't cause a problem. So he came in, he remediated it. I do remember my chronic cough going away. Um, but then we lived there for another eight months and I smell that smell coming from the attic again. And I'm like, oh, so I call him back and I say, hey, I'm smelling it again. Come in. A different guy came in this time and he said, yeah, I just found like a quarter sized amount of mold in your attic. Um, and it looks to be either aspergillus, penicillin or alternaria. When he said aspergillus, you know, the light bulb kind of went on for me. And I thought, man, I've heard of that. And I'm pretty sure that's a really bad kind of mold. But, you know, I still just didn't understand how devastating mold could be on health, you know. And um, I thought, well, you know, people have wet basements all the time. It's almost like expected that your basement is damp. Every, I mean, I'm in Ohio, you know, everybody has a basement like it has that smell. Schools have that smell, right? Like we we really just don't think about it. And so um, it wasn't actually until we moved to be closer to our jobs, because I got to a point where I thought I just needed to go back to work as a teacher because I'm like, I'm not cut out for this stay at home mom stuff. Maybe I'm just having all these symptoms because I'm a type A personality and I need to go back to work. So I did. We moved to be closer to our jobs because they were both in the same town and something miraculous happened. We all slept. And I was like, wait a minute. That's when the light bulb really went off for me. And I started really digging into mold. And I was like, okay, that had to be toxic mold. Yeah. And so something that I think will resonate with, with people who've gone through that, like you, it took a long time for that light bulb to go off, but we've heard story after story about people, you know, they have varying symptoms. So they're not connecting the dots between their health and their home because they think, well, if it were our home, we'd all have the same symptoms and that's just not how it works. Um, and it's for a variety of reasons. And we have other resources at changetheirfoundation.org that talk about why people in the same home are impacted differently. But the surprising thing is that sometimes when people move or they go on a long vacation, or if you're you know, a teacher and your school's moldy and you come home for the summer and all of a sudden your symptoms improve and you're like, hey, I feel better when I'm not in that environment. And it's it's mm-hmm. such a surprise um, for people. And I, I get that because you just, it's a slow, gradual thing and you don't make that connection until all of a sudden you're like, God, I feel better. Oh my goodness. So then you, then you moved and you guys are starting to feel better. What, what kind of happened next in your journey? So, um, our quest to heal took us all over the United States. I was like, you know, I need a doctor to lead me, to guide me, to teach me. I, I really didn't know that I had it in me to do it myself. And, um, you know, I'm to California, to Michigan, to St. Louis, all over the place. And, you know, we're just not making progress. And in a way, I feel like we sort of made ourselves worse. And, you know, doctors, by the way, I should say we switched from like MDs to holistic doctors at one point, which I think everybody does when they're dealing with mold and not getting answers. But even the holistic doctors Um, You know, they would run all sorts of testing and just, you know, the therapies that they were doing with us, you know, we just didn't feel good. We couldn't tolerate different supplements. My youngest son and I had every food allergy in the book. So it was just an absolute mess. 
And that's what forced me to read and research and read some more and literally figure out everything for myself. And that took me down the road of last year opening my own practice. I went back to school to be an emotion code practitioner because I love energy medicine. And I've had an energy healer since 2008 who taught me so much just about health in general. And so I I really had an interest in that. And I'm telling you, the clients that I see all over the world, they can come to me with any illness, any symptom. And when I run a mycotox panel on them, there's always at least one mycotoxin that's off the charts. So, you know, I'm not someone who's going to sit here and say that mold causes all of these things, but mold certainly is a factor. And it's time that we call it for what it is. You know, we need proper information out there because our doctors aren't trained. Half of our remediators and inspectors are not trained. As a matter of fact, I think only in six states, you can correct me, um, you have to have proper certification and licensure to be a mold inspector or remediator. So literally, my brother, my friend, my neighbor could wake up tomorrow morning and say, hey, guys, guess what? I'm a mold remediator. I'm an expert. And that's what got me into this. We're trusting them and they have absolutely no education. So the teacher in me is out there screaming from the mountaintop saying, listen, we need the correct information to be given to citizens across the United States, or this is never going to change. I'm tired of seeing people suffer. Yeah. And I think that's something, you know, Change the Air Foundation, uh, we're all about, about helping people become their own advocates. Because like you, I assumed that there was someone out there, some agency, some regulations, some law, some requirement that was protecting us from this, you know, allergenic, pathogenic, toxigenic substance that, excuse me, like you mentioned, is actually, we've come to, to almost normalize it, right? And we know that According to the EPA, that I think it's like up to 50% of all buildings have an ongoing water leak. We know that number is probably much higher. Um, and where there's moisture, there can be mold. So we actually connected with you. We'll, we'll pivot for a moment. Um, because of our policy and outreach initiative at Change the Air, and I know you've been working hard with Brandon to bring about some changes in the way that Ohio handles things. And so I'm wondering. If you could speak a little bit to, you know, in your opinion, what changes or solutions would have prevented this problem for your family in the first place? Well, I think uh, the biggest thing with prevention is um, if I would have been educated as a homeowner and given some information regarding mold when I purchased my home, it would have planted a seed for me. So one of the things we're trying to do here in Ohio with the legislation is give homeowners a pamphlet, just an educational pamphlet saying, hey, look, if you begin to experience these symptoms, you might want to test your home for mold. Uh, You may want to test your home before you move in, but if you, you choose not to and you start having any of these symptoms, and by the way, those symptoms are more than allergy symptoms. They're more than red eyes and a stuffy nose and a cough, okay? We're talking multi-systemic chronic inflammation. That means every single system of the body is impacted for many people when toxic mold is at play. So 
we need our state departments of health to get on board to truly educate people and give them accurate information regarding what mold does to the body. And I think until that happens, this just isn't going to improve. Yeah. And I, I believe that's House Bill 251, correct? That that has been in the works to do that. And I think uh, one of the powerful things that I liked about that is as if you're buying a home or running, you know, or you, you at least have some knowledge that something like lead or asbestos is not something you want to mess with. And what we have failed to do is really to put mold on that same playing field. And I know that's one of the things that the Ohio bill wants to correct that there's that awareness, there's that understanding around it, that, that we really, um, address it with, with the caution and, um, you know, strategy that something like that involves, because, uh, we have an interesting interview coming out with, with Michael Pinto. And he talks about sometimes the only thing worse than no remediation is bad remediation. And, and we've seen that happen time and time again, um, not to go off on a tangent, but, um, I often say remediation when talking with people, because that term isn't regulated. So there's so much that passes as remediation, everything from fogging to throwing bleach on it to, you know, some containment and attempt to remove it to, you know, you're talking full engineering controls. And so um, when we talk about remediation, we're often not talking about the same thing because that means different things to different people. And that that's part of the problem too, I think. Um, so I, my, my question, just to kind of bring your advocacy piece a little bit more full circle, what would you like to see change as a result of what happened to you? Well, I think uh, we need to get all, well, there's a couple aspects to this. First of all, like I said, our remediators and inspectors need to all be on the same page, okay? We need to get certification requirements in all 50 states so that we're not throwing bleach on mold thinking we're doing the right thing and, you know, just so many other things. I've seen so many nightmares working with people, as I'm sure you have, when it comes to remediation. So. That education is like absolutely crucial. And um, that's one of the things that I would like to see. The other thing is that once we get our Department of Health on board to provide that accurate information to citizens, that's going to force our doctors to have environmental factors on their radar. You know, I tell everybody out of the 20, 25 doctors we saw, if one of them would have stopped to say, okay, hold on a minute. Carissa, where are you spending your time? I mean, we spend 90% of our time indoors. You know, this isn't rocket science, okay? If you're breathing in toxic air, you might be affecting your health. What is so hard to understand about this? You know, so it, it, our doctors, I mean, it's just not on their radar. So getting that advocacy and awareness out there to people is actually going to force them to get on board and start thinking about, oh my goodness, like, I never knew mold could do this. Maybe I need to re-educate myself. Yeah, I agree. It would be great to see doctors start to ask that question. Tell me about where you're living. Um, I think it can save a lot of time. And and actually, um, Change the Air Foundation is in the in the middle of building out a doctor outreach program to provide some of those resources and hopefully shorten the time it takes for doctors to ask their patients those questions. Awesome. Um, it's a missed opportunity, but in conjunction with that policy and advocacy piece, um, you know, that information really is power. Um, if you have any advice 
to someone who's maybe just starting this journey, thinking about environmental factors like mold and water damage and indoor air quality, because there are other things in your indoor air besides, um, you know, byproducts from mold. What would you tell them? Well, first of all, I want people to know they can't give up. I have so many people come to me and they're like, I'm just so done with this. I'm going to be sick forever. And I'm like, no, you're not. Look, Look at my family. You know, we struggled immensely, but we're fine. You know, my kids are 12 and 10. They're playing baseball, soccer, Boy Scouts, everything. Like they are absolutely fine. The body will heal given the right tools. You need to find the right people to help you. And sometimes that's not even a doctor. I hate to say it. You know, I've learned the most from moms like you who have gone through this. We teach each other. We stick together. Hey, if this worked for my child, maybe it'll work for yours. Let's get our heads together and help each other out. So first of all, we can't give up hope. I want my story um, to be hope for people who are going through this. I also want people to know that they have to do their own research. It's critical. They have to. You can't just trust this remediator, this doctor, this inspector. Make sure they are certified. Um, And, you know, they can get on your website and look at different remediators who are certified by IICRC, NORMI, different organizations, so that we know they're properly educated when they come in your home and they're not just going to make things worse. So do your own research. Don't give up. Things do get better. I promise. I love that. And that's so important because it can feel very overwhelming, very isolating. And for those who are wondering, on our website, we do have two articles. One, it's it's questions for vetting an indoor environmental professional, and that's the person who would come in and inspect your home and give you kind of that independent assessment of what's going on. And then we have questions for how to vet a remediator and the things that you're looking for and listening for. So be sure to check those out. Um, now, are there any final words or thoughts or anything from your story you just want to leave us with? Well, I want to let everyone know that this is my passion. So I've started my own business, The Healing Haven. If you are someone who's suffering from this, you just need someone to talk to. You just need some guidance. Call me up. I'm here. I am here to help you. It's it's something I love to do. I'm I'm helping people all over the world. And I just want people to know that, you know, it's okay. Things get better. And um, if nothing else, all the suffering my family has gone through is providing hope for all of those families that just truly are lost right now. So I'm here. I'm only a phone call away. Yeah. Thank you so much, Krista, for sharing your story, for all the work you've been doing to help change the laws in Ohio and elsewhere. Um, We really can't do this alone. And, And for anyone listening, do me a favor. If you haven't already, head on over to changetheairfoundation.org and sign up for our newsletter. Uh, We want to be able to connect you with those reliable resources and information that Carissa spoke about. We want to empower you to become your own advocate. And if you're interested in understanding more about the laws that may or may not be in place in your state, about um, helping to change those laws, or even if you are moved um, and would like to see change, please consider donating at changetheairfoundation.org. Any amount, $5, $10, $20. Our goal is to head to Washington, D.C. three times this year in 2023 to advocate at the federal level and to continue to support initiatives in a number of states so that we can all breathe cleaner indoor air. Krista, thank you once again. And I know we'll be talking more and um, I'm sure we would love to maybe circle back and get some upstate 
on how you guys are doing, if that's okay. That sounds great. Thanks so much for having me today. Everyone, thank you so much. And we'll see you next time.